This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the world's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen, who you can hear busily typing, typing, typing in the background. <laughs> You're sending various texts and emails to people. I am. All right. Um, we drove in a little GLA AMG Mercedes today. Did I frighten you? No, you tried. I tried a little bit, didn't I? You said the car sounded like it was farting. <laughs> I did. It wouldn't switch can gears. We said that on the radio. I'm not sure we can. We might have to bleep that out. Uh, it, it, it sounded it like passing it was passing gas. gas. <laughs> yes. It, uh, it, it's a lot of fun for a little GLA. It's speedy quick. We talked about it on last week's show, so we're not going to spend too much time talking about it. But it was, um, it's speedy quick. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, I like AMGs. Just tell you, not really sure they're in my budget, but they're a lot of fun. Vroom vroom. And I love the screen. I'm so in love with this. You know, I was in. uh, I had a Mercedes. You know, Mercedes have these uh, 12.3 inch screens, two of them side by side, which take up in the GLA. It's like most of the dash. (laughs) The dash isn't that big. I had one in Dallas this week, mm-hmm. the GLE AMG. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get out of the drive-through in Whataburger because <gasps> the guy just wanted to talk about the screen. Look at the size of that screen, man! It's huge, <laughs> dude. That's when you tell him to go test drive one. Yeah, go check I'm, it out for yourself, dude. Not to be rude, but I don't think it was really. He was probably eighteen. Oh, <laughs> not sure it oh was. okay. He was he. Uh, God bless his soul. He was such a sweet kid, but it was really. <laughs> He was just, <gasps> guys, look at this. Well, yeah, it's an exciting car. It was. Mm-hmm. It's definitely out of my budget, by the way, just in case <laughs> you were wondering. Uh, it was a fun car. That Mercedes really nailed it. Mm-hmm. They've nailed those screens in that car. I still get annoyed. I'm not in the car now, so I can say it, but every time you say Mercedes in one of those cars, you go, how can I help you? I know. I I'm love like, it. Shush, hey, lady. Mercedes. I'm like, hush, shush, lady, get down. Shush, quiet. And it's very annoying because then she listens to everything you say. As soon as you say the trigger word, it's like when you, I can't say Alexa around my house without her like. Oh, I know that so my bad. sister called when I was at your house and she yeah. starts talking about them like, shh, don't say that word. The whole house will start well, she's doing listening stuff. all the time. But it's when she talks to you and you don't want her to be talking like pipe down there in the corner, Alexa. <laughs> and we have Alexa in every room of the house. It's great when you want to listen to our auto expert, but we have Alexa in every corner of the house. He does. And I have Alexa in my new Bronco Sport. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool because I can do things like um, my spouse was in the car the other day and I showed my spouse we have Alexa in the car mm-hmm. and you know this sort of thing and my spouse is going Alexa turn on front house lights and as we're pulling in the driveway all the front of the house lights up like, oh, that's really cool <laughs> <laughs> Alexa turn on kitchen lights <gasps> oh it's really cool you can see it from outside the house Alexa. Oh. Alexa, roll up the blinds in the kitchen. Roll up the blinds in the bedroom. Roll down the blinds in the bedroom. It's just weird. Is that why my blinds are broken in the living room? No. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear about that this week, Jen. I 
I, was it me? Was it me? Had to hear about that this week, Jen. Hey, I fixed them. Why are the blinds broken in the living room? Because Jen's been playing with Alexa uh-huh. while she was over your I house was, this yeah, week. Yeah, I was so bored. Hey, Alexa. <laughs> Can you turn on the kitchen stove? All right, pack show today. We're going to talk to Brandon <laughs> Smith. Uh, Brandon is going to talk to us. You may not be able to afford a McLaren, but the McLaren do have some affordable uh, items uh, that they are selling around the holiday season. John Quinn joining us to talk uh, the 4 Series uh, BMW. I do want one of these. There's very little I don't want in life, isn't there? Such a spoiled brat. No comment. Uh, Ford Bronco engine, <laughs> uh, engineer uh, Adrian uh, Aguirre. I've met this guy. I know you He's have. He's pretty awesome. He's going to join us. Yeah. Uh, James Bell. James Bell. My favorite. It's about time we got James Bell on this. Kia Sorento. Dro- drove a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome, I have to tell you. The early I looked at the early Kia Sorentos. They're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Pretty ugly. <laughs> New one. Awesome. Going to win awards. Uh, Anton's going to join us. Perry Stern's going to join us. And uh, um, uh, Emily Voss is the public relations uh, director from Carfax. She's going to join us too. I know, Jen. I know. I'm just so excited. You're making me hand signals. Stop. I know. (laughs) I know. Jen's giving me hand signals. She thinks I don't know. He's on the phone. I know. He's on the phone. I know. (laughs) Calm down. Um, Because we can all afford McLarens, and we have many of them in our driveways, (laughs) we wish we did. Yes. I write to Santa every year. Loser, Santa, you're a loser. I didn't get a McLaren <laughs> this year. Um, why didn't I get a McLaren this year? Because Santa doesn't like me. I must be on the naughty list, clearly. Clearly. Uh, the uh, McLaren regularly come up with uh, cool stuff. They came up with a car that you could buy for your kids, mm-hmm. um, which was clearly a lot less than a million dollars. And uh, they have also, in 2018, they came out with the F1 uh, capsule collection. Mm-hmm. And a new uh, executive uh, exclusive collection for those people that are fashionable. Uh, it takes the design inspiration from the 720S and the 765LT available at selective McLaren retailers. The collection includes premium T-shirts, a hoodie, hat, and long sleeves t-shirt, uh, long sleeve T-shirts. Uh, long sleeve shirts. I will say that this may not be wear for winter weather, but it is definitely wear for fashionable people. Uh, McLaren have a very nice uh, collection of new wearables. Yeah, and, so uh, let's have Brandon Smith tell us all about it. Calm down, lady. Uh, Brandon Smith joining us on the phone. He is a regional <laughs> West Coast marketing manager for McLaren. Uh, Jen's more excited about this collection, I think, than anybody else, probably even at McLaren. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very fashionable wear, uh, Brandon, that you've come up with uh, to make people look even sexier and uh, definitely affordable for everybody. You have to go to your McLaren dealer to get uh, some of the new uh, fashionable collection? You do, actually, yeah. So this time around, um, we decided this is going to be exclusive to McLaren retailers. Um, the previous collection we did, which is the F1, inspired by the, the 90s F1 car, uh, that was launched on Period Correct's website, and then some dealers had it, and it was just amazing. People were hysterical trying to find this stuff. And even now, if you look on eBay, the socks we did from that collection that we did with Stance, I think are 150 bucks. Like the jacket wow. is, is up there for like 450 So uh, super low quantities, but super high demand. And that's kind of the, the same approach we take with our cars. So just trying to mimic the model we use with our cars with the, the apparel collection as well. Will it make me look sexier if I wear it? Absolutely. It's impossible <laughs> not to. <laughs> so how come I don't have any? I guess that would be the first well, question. Well, because you have to go to Beverly Hills. 
to right. go get one. Can you book me a ticket, please? Uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 these definitely sought after collections, and, and clearly, um, you know, McLaren obviously does this once in a while, two years ago since you did the last one. I'm guessing I yeah. wander around, you know, when I'm at dealers, usually picking up a test drive. Like, you usually have to pick up Ferraris, mm-hmm. McLarens, Lamborghinis from dealers when you test drive them. They don't get delivered mm-hmm. to your house very often. Uh, I wander yeah. around and look at all the things like the wallets and and the apparel that they have um, on on sale. But it, a lot of M- McLaren apparel seems to be much more sought after than the other premium brands. Yeah, I mean, that's um, one of the things I've been trying to get a hold of since I've been with McLaren. And I, I look at the way that um, sneakers, the whole sneaker culture is going and the, the crazy demand um for that and you know a lot of that can be adapted to other markets and other types of um you know sales approaches so i think in general if you go into a car dealership and you look at the the oem apparel it's nothing that a younger kid is really going to be after like a kid that's maybe 15 that's playing mclaren's on like the forza gran turismo video games they're not going to be interested in a hundred dollar polo shirt that a typical dealer would carry so the whole idea with with PeriCorrect is they make stuff that's kind of catered towards the cooler, younger, more hip guys, you know? So um, with partnering with them, we can do just simple basics, even T-shirts, hoodies, hats, but they're all cut in a more modern, uh, appealing way to our younger fans, and that's the idea behind it. Clearly know me well. Um, is this a limited? <laughs> is this a limited uh, run? Like, do I need to run down to Beverly Hills right now and grab it, or is it uh, is it going to go as long as there's a, an appetite? Uh, so, it, that was a tough one because we know the demand is there. If we kept stocking it, we can keep selling it. Um, but what we wanted to do with this one is just do a, do one single order per dealer. Once that sells, it's done. Uh, and the dealers don't have tremendous stock. They have. Um, I mean, it's decent, but it's not going to last long. And once this sells, um, we do have plans in 2021 to do some other things um, with Period Correct. So we have some some pretty big plans with him, actually, that goes beyond just the T-shirt and hoodie stuff. So some more detailed, custom, like, cut and, and sew products and everything. So pretty right. exciting for 2021. I'd like to talk to you more about this, but uh, clearly we're, we're getting close to running out of time. What do I have to do apart from fly to Beverly Hills to get this collection? Is that, is that <laughs> my, is that my only limitation to go get some? <laughs> I believe, you know, somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. So I think we can sort you out on that. All right, Jen, do your magic. <laughs> <laughs> I need to really beg and plead for this. And who said I'd give it to you if I got it? Oh yeah. Well, Love I know you. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ladies and gentlemen meet my best new friend Brandon yeah, everybody exactly. <laughs> uh, I guess head to your, yeah head your head to your uh, your nearest McLaren uh, retailer because that's probably the best chance you have <laughs> of getting hold of some of this uh, you know what I don't want to see and I know I'm going to see it I really don't want to see I'm going to see some of this arrive on eBay I know I I yeah, was trying I was trying to get an Xbox Series X this holiday season and uh, and they're three times like fifteen sixteen hundred dollars and they're only five hundred dollars yeah it's that's, crazy that's the new world we live in everything now is is going in that like ultra hyped direction even a book I'm trying to get is now they're trying to sell it like it's super in demand you have to buy it now pre order it yeah and wow. uh, yeah. 
I'm sure these are going to end up on eBay too. So. Yeah. All right, Brandon. Thank you so much. Head to your McLaren retailer to find it or uh, call Brandon at home. Uh, yeah. His number coming up in yeah. a moment. You listen to Our Auto Expert, ourautoexpert.com. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show, our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Lots of very interesting uh, news around. There is some uh, interesting videos starting to service, uh, surface. Uh, people selling some vehicles, which I would consider not worth the money 2014 Corvette uh, crosses the, uh, you know, originally cost uh, $950,000, but it's not just any uh, Corvette C7. Uh, this, uh, you know, if you were looking to own this significant modern Corvette, uh, they this has been built out. Uh, and thanks to a fantasy broker, uh, it's now getting a lot of attention. It actually has uh, the number three uh, chassis built by Corvette uh, race cars and has the winning pedigree, of course, of any race car. Uh, the best of the GM, LT, uh, LLM and the GTAM chassis. Uh, but you need to be ready to pay that uh, price tag of uh, almost a million dollars, $950,000 price tag. Today, uh, you may have the chance to own a piece of the Corvette history, one of the latest, greatest front-engine uh, Corvette race cars, the, the C7R chassis number three. It has quite a pedigree of winning uh, the Rolex Daytona 24 and 12-hour races of Sebring in 2015. And uh, the chassis number three also saw action at the 24-hour of Le Mans, uh, Laguna Seca, the Watkins Glen, Long Beach, and uh, Road Atlanta. Uh, this vehicle it was built by Pratt & Miller in conjunction with uh, GM, and it marks a decade-long partnership to build the best racing Corvettes possible. Although the C7R may look like a C7 Corvette with an aero uh, from some of the photos, a huge amount of the car is changed to go racing. Uh, for starters, the roofline is three inches lower and the body is wider by eight inches. I can't tell that necessarily by looking at it when it's stationary, but you can see that when you see it on the racetrack. All of the exterior body panels are carbon fiber, which makes it extremely light, and uh, it manages. It really was built through a wind tunnel. Uh, the aerodynamic performance is very different. It power comes from uh, the battle-tested LS7 V8 engine that was uh, really used. Um, for all of the racing, it has a 5.5-liter uh, racing regulation engine. The front-mounted engine is home to the highly engineered internals, which means that the engine still produces an impressive 574 horsepower, 428 kilowatts for those racers amongst the audience. The engine uh, racing the LS7 is mated to a six-speed transaxle um, transmission that is proven to be reliable during the uh, turmoil of any endurance race. And I've seen some uh, video of this thing racing. It's absolutely unbelievable. I can't actually believe after a racing history, and it's so many miles per hour, it's been battered, uh, it's actually been cleaned up and is now going to actually fetch around a million dollars. It's not surprising, though. I've seen uh, some people be flipping some of their own personal cars 
to get so much money for them recently, people flipping cars to get four or five million dollars out of them uh, soon after they've been built. Um, so if you think that uh, secondhand car market was increased during the pandemic, they definitely are for some of the supercars that are out of there. Just seeing so many new cars getting so much attention uh, in the world, a lot of people selling their supercars right now, the I saw some stats from, I think it was from J.D. Power and Associates, saying that some of the supercar uh, markets are reporting to be up by 42%, some of the super luxury cars, and some supercar markets reporting to be up by uh, that much. It's really, really interesting. Um, They're also seeing very big increases in truck sales. Uh, dealers are selling uh, t- um, you know, trucks for a lot more of increased uh, money. Uh, we're seeing even some of the trucks that aren't big sellers around going for huge amounts of money out there. Now, there are, I, and I'm going to maintain this, and I say this forever, you're going to see some of the best, period, times to buy a car between now and I think it's the 4th of January is actually the official end of the year car sale dates um, now of course tax wise that ends of at midnight on the 31st of december so but some of the best sale dates or sales that you can get on money off the hood of the car will go until the 4th of january um, so if you're going to buy a new car in probably the best time in history is going to be between now and the 4th of january for uh, discounts i have a friend um, who is an anchor at fox in milwaukee and he sent me a note saying you know, I've had this minivan since 2006. It's got uh, over 200,000 miles on it. And Carl's beat this minivan to death. He really has. It's a Sienna. Uh, look at it. I, he said, um, I'm wondering if we could, uh, you know, I want to I wanna see uh, if I can get some something for it, minivan. I said, I can give you something for it, a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> he's going to buy a new Chrysler Pacifica hybrid because uh, he's trying to be uh, much more green. I did suggest all-wheel drive might be better for him. But uh, he was looking at some of the discounts between now and the end of the year, and they are phenomenal. I mean, super, at least $10,000 off if he buys a 2020. Wow. Um, so instead of buying $40,000, he's going to get the $750,000 tax credit, which comes from the federal government, which is still available if you buy a hybrid, plug-in hybrid for Chrysler. Uh, not available for Teslas, though they have lost their federal tax uh, credit. I think the same as Chevy and a few other manufacturers, but um, they still have them at Chrysler. So you can buy that, the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, uh, still with a federal tax credit. He's looking at doing that and getting that money. Plus, there's $10,000 off the hood of the price of the vehicle. So instead of paying 42000 I think he's paying something like uh, $32,000 for it. Plus, he gets that uh, money off there. So he's looking at $25,000 for a top-of-the-line, brand-new Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, which is phenomenal amount of money. Um, there are car companies like Hummer, Uh, which is part of the GMC brand now, which will be coming out with their electric truck soon. But uh, some companies will start to see their federal tax credits evaporate soon. So if you're thinking about buying a plug-in electric car, you want to make sure that the federal tax credit is available to you when you purchase it. And again, before the end of the year is going to be the best time to buy a vehicle. Now, trucks might be a little harder, but car companies are down four to five million 
So if you're going to buy four to five million sales, vehicle sales, if you're going to buy a new vehicle between now and the end of the year, do it. You may not see such a good time in history. All right, more Our Auto Expert on the way. Stand by. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is our Auto Expert radio show. Our Auto Experts on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Ask us a question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Well, you may have heard me gushing about it. You may have watched me on social media through some magic through me throwing some spells around and a magic wand and the help of Adam at Northside Ford in Portland, Oregon, I managed to get myself a Bronco Sport. Goodness knows how that happened. But uh, I test drove it in the desert in, uh, in California a few months ago and fell in love with it. And even though, even though my spouse told me no more cars, no more dogs, and no more handguns, I still managed to buy myself another vehicle and took delivery um, on December 9th of a brand new Bronco Sport and a very happy uh, man I am too. Um, and of course, we wanted to talk about that uh, Bronco in general, uh, but the man that uh, is really in charge of a lot of uh, engineering uh, about Bronco is uh, our friend uh, Adrian from uh, Ford. So uh, have you really got over the fact that Bronco is getting still so much attention uh, months after it was shown for the first time? People are still in frenzy about Bronco, period, aren't they, Adrian? Hey, Nick. Good to be here, and thanks for the invitation today. Yeah, the uh, still is a frenzy, and we're super happy about it. I think the uh, just really talked about all the heritage in the Bronco name, right, uh, back in the 60s, um, really being the first um, true SUV with off-road capabilities, and now after a number of years um, not having a Bronco uh, from Ford, now we're back right now as a family. Um, reintroducing, as you know, the, the Bronco Sport, which uh, we're super happy that you uh, enjoyed the drive and they have one. And uh, the two in the border were coming up in uh, 2021. So uh, I, we're super excited about it. I'll tell you what I'm most surprised at. I mean, first of all, obviously, the drive we did in California with, uh, with the Bronco Sport, everybody's mouth dropped open, couldn't really believe the fact that it was so capable and could do so much. And people had sort of really not expected that much from the Bronco Sport, uh, got a lot more out of it than was really expected, and it really did uh, exceed expectations, period. But the thing I've noticed about it even more, everybody from the homeless to the guy parking his Mercedes-Benz S-Class has been giving me thumbs up. And I think the, the public's anticipation of this vehicle and the excitement around the vehicle has been just jaw-dropping. I mean, I, I'm so, to me, it's so funny that I parked at my local su- local supermarket last week, and the guy next to me parks his S-Class, and he gets out of his S-Class, and then there's a homeless guy standing right there outside the supermarket, and at the same time, they walk next to each other. They're both looking at my Bronco Sport, and they both give me a thumbs yeah. up, and I'm thinking, everybody just loves this vehicle. I mean, it's, it's getting that sort of response, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I mean, you bring a smile to my face. I'm so glad that that's the experience you're having. And uh, well, that's what we were aiming for, right? A truly great product. And um, as you said, right, I mean, especially with the fact that we've gotten Bronco Sport coming out a few months before, 
the uh, to an four-door Bronco, making sure that the vehicle truly stands up to the Bronco name in all aspects, right? So from the look of the vehicle, right, making sure that we've uh, been able to capture that iconic design that so many of us um, have seen over the years and are falling in love with, right, maybe even wanting to have one of those original early Broncos. So uh, the capability, and I'm trying to imbue the vehicle with um, some additional features that are really going to kind of help the adventure come to life, right, and enable you to head out to uh, to the wild whenever you want. And uh, hopefully that's more often than not. Let's talk a little bit about capability because it, even though you have to have capabilities and availability in these vehicles, a lot of Americans aren't going to use the capability as much as they think they're going to use it. But you still had to, when you engineered these vehicles, make sure it could really do everything, um, even though people may just use it on occasions for going. I mean, there are some hardcore Bronco owners and potential mm-hmm. owners or uh, people who are intend to own it who are really going to go out there and do everything the vehicle is capable of. But the general owner of a Bronco is maybe only going to do that once or twice a year, go camping or go uh, up to the mountains or go skiing where they're going to use the modes, the goat modes that this vehicle has. But that didn't mean that you just made it so it could do a little bit. Engineering-wise, you had to make sure that this vehicle really could do everything physically possible for its size and strength. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so so when we, as we thought through the vehicle, right, and uh, it's really... It would be easy, right, to have the appearance and maybe not have the capability. But what happens is um, people have a radar almost, right, that tells them, hey, this is not actually what you're telling me it is. So we knew we had to be consistent with that. And we know even if, as you said, it's only 5% or hopefully a little more than that, something's actually going to use it um, off-road on a, on a regular basis. Uh, you have to be able to live up to that promise of capability. So... Um, as you experienced when we were out in California uh, a few months back now, right, um, kind of starting off in the, the, the pinnacle of capability on, on the Badlands, you've got that two-liter engine, right, and then it's backed up by pretty sophisticated 4 by 4 system. But in particular, on the rear axle has this twin-clutch twin-clutch differential, which is able to send the power in to the right tire at the right time. And at some points, right, it almost acts, I mean, it's like a, like a locker, right? It allows you to have uh, that ability to uh, cool over rocks and get out of a difficult situation. Now, we think that it really makes sense also for people that are not going to be doing that because you have the confidence that even if you're not off-road, if you were in a situation where you had to get out of a snowdrift, if you uh, pulled off to the side and it was a little bit muddy and you were trying to get back on the road. Uh, so there was a little bit of water right in front of your house and you were having to wade through it. All that capability is there. And we know based on talking to a lot of our customers that that's something people really want. They want to buy a small SUV and they want to know that they're going to have, they're going to be protected, right? They're safe for this. And for that one time when they, when they have to use it, it's going to be there for them. You know, we obviously tested it in sand, which is, is a pretty good test. Uh, in some deep sand, we tested on on uh, desert roads, mountain roads, uh, sort of a little bit of mild rock crawling, I would call it. 
Um, but I was thinking about it when, when I went through the modes. Of course, I've been sitting in the car driving it and, and going through the different modes, test driving it. I mean, I think about that a lot. I think about, well, hang on a second. I haven't really tested it in snow. But sand can be pretty similar to snow as well, although snow has some obviously some different characteristics. But we really, uh, you must have traveled all over the world with the mules to test it actually physically in these different uh, tundras to see how it responded. Um, or unless you have a massive indoor secret testing facility somewhere that generates snow and sand and those type of things. There must have been quite a lot of testing uh, with this vehicle in different different places to make sure that it did what you expected it to do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point on the snow. So you're absolutely right. Um, snow and sand are in many ways similar. So, so yeah, that's the, um, the uh, crossover in the usage. And, you know, a lot of the, for example, in terms of snow testing, uh, we, went, we went up to um, the very northern tip of Michigan, um, close to, to Waco, some um, large facilities there, and it's a blast. If you ever have an opportunity to go out there and drive uh, one of these vehicles there, you'll just um, both A, be amazed by the capability of both deep snow or icy terrain, and then B, it's just um, a blast to be there. And then, of course, I mean, we went to the desert together, we actually did a lot of that. Um, and um, a lot of them, the durability testing happening in Michigan in our uh, our testing grounds, uh, at Michigan Proving Ground. And um, one of the things we talked about, right, was that we differentiated and we took that durability to the next level because it was both parent and having that extra hardware required and then making sure that if we're going to have people taking it off-road uh, more often than uh, the regular small SUVs out there today, that we were able to meet that, right, because the loads are more intense, uh, the amount of... Uh, muck all over the place is uh, increased, right? So, uh, as you said, are different terrains, different places throughout the U.S., and then just an increase in the level of testing you were doing. Yeah, no, it's absolutely uh, an amazing piece of machinery. And uh, I actually have, mine is the cactus color. Um, it was probably not the, I mean, I took what I could get, and I was very thankful to Adam at Northside uh, Ford for giving me, uh, selling me his demo model, uh, which he didn't have to do, but he actually sold me, and that was the one he mm. had. Uh, the interior is absolutely uh, brilliant, and I hadn't seen the cactus color up, uh, up close and personal, um, but I fell in love with it. There are so many options, and I do have the Badlands, by the way, it's exactly what I would have ordered. Great. Uh, there are so many options. There are. So, it's so beautiful. I don't. I think every box is checked in mine. By the way, I think it. Uh, it came out to about thirty-eight and a half thousand. So pretty much everything's on the vehicle uh, that you could have got. Um, I am more than happy with it. The only thing I'm waiting for now is to get a dog gate at the back, which I'm sure I can get in the options because I am not letting my dogs on those suede seats. And all five of them would destroy those in 10 seconds. Uh, listen, congratulations. A fantastic vehicle. Proud to be an owner. Really excited. And I'm really happy. Um, I'm, I'm putting more miles on it than I want to because I just like the thumbs up so much when I drive it around town. Um, I'm sure you have one and everybody that gets one, uh, they're, there cannot be a mistake made. Uh, I had a 1984 Baby Bronco, and I am so happy to have a, nine, a 2021 Bronco Sport Avian. Congratulations. It's a wonderful piece of machinery. There is more Our Auto Expert on the way. 
Test drive one. You'll love it. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 10,000 people download our Auto Expert podcast and many more stream our Auto Expert podcast as well. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Spotify, the Pandora app, Deezer, the Podbean app, and also CastBox and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from our Auto Expert. Uh, Jen's having a really fun show, aren't you? Always. (laughs) Big smile on her face. Uh, I was telling you at the top of the show that we had a chance to drive uh, that AMG 35. It's an AMG 35, which is A35, I guess I should say. The the 35s are interesting because AMG actually only came up with the 35s recently. uh, The GLA 35, I should say. GLA 35. Um, the 35, initially they had the 65s, and uh, they, they now have a 35, a 43, and a 63. Um, they are just basically different engine sizes. But the smaller cars, the A-Class and the GLA, have a 35. And the 35 is the AMG version of the, uh, obviously, the GLA, which is the smallest SUV that they make. It's little, but it's full of fire. You know, I love AMG Mercedes. I just can't keep track of GLA, GLE, GLS. All right, GLC. so it's very easy. I know. I'm going to explain okay, it to you. Please you ready? Do. Here we please go. Please do. So you know Mercedes S sedans mm-hmm. are classed as an A, mm-hmm. A class, B, which we don't get in the U.S., but there's an A, B, a C, an E, and an S. Okay. A, B, C, So S is super e, expensive. S. S is the biggest, <laughs> the biggest one. Okay. Big luxury limo style. Okay. All right. So A, little, tiny, small, mm-hmm. very, very single person millennial car. Mm-hmm. The B, we don't get in the US. Okay. C, which is businessman's, you know. Like a coupe. Yeah. Businessman's sort of a, no, not a, a coupe, not a coupe. There is coupe versions, but it, it's sort of a, a, a family coupe. Okay. The E which is bigger businessman car, mm-hmm. a bit more luxury, and the S, which is super luxury cigar smoker. Right? <laughs> you get it? Often with the extended wheelbase, China limo style, right? Okay. It? If it has GL in front of it, mm-hmm. same principle, but GL means it's an SUV. Okay. So there's a GLA. It's like the A-Class, but an A. So it's a mini SUV. Yes, it's small. So <laughs> the last letter, A. Represents GL, tiny. B. B. Right. There is a B, right? Okay. GL, like the C-class, but C. Got it. GLE, but like the E-class, but an E. Okay. GLS, like the S-class, but an S. Now, there are a few other variants that mm-hmm. they have in between that do other things, like a G-Wagon or a CLA, which is kind of the coupe version. There was a few other vehicles that they do, but that's the general structure of the company. That helps me. So this is like an A-Class, an A-Class, but it's an SUV, so it's a GLA. Okay. All right. Now. Now that we are educated. There's an AMG version. Yeah, we know that. That's the super So instead of being called a Mercedes-Benz, it's a Mercedes-AMG. So now it's a GLA-AMG. 35. Just like Maybach, they drop the Benz. Benz. So it's yes. a Mercedes Maybach. 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 Not Maybach. No, Maybach. 
Maybach. Maybach. Maybach. Okay. My Maybach. German. Like you got something in the back of your throat. Uh-huh. Maybach. Fur balls. Maybach. <laughs> Jordan's Nick is teaching Jordan German. I was going to say, yeah. You want to make fur balls too? What's the English car company that has a leaping cat? Uh, Jaguar. Jaguar. Whatever, it's close. Not Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> Jaguar. <laughs> Jaguar. Uh huh. Three syllables. Jaguar. Okay. Jaguar. I'm not going to say it again. Maybach. Maybach. You Maybach. sound like. You sound like Rosetta Stone, doesn't it? <laughs> Good. I'm edumacating you. Yes, you are. Okay. We're just doing things properly. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, we're driving this big, turning into a language show. I know, right? We're driving in this uh, Mercedes AMG <laughs> GLA 35, which is phenomenal. I tried to scare you a little bit this morning, but you just kept saying, mm, car sounds like it's farting. It does. It did. It, you didn't scare me. No. Okay. We have the ride home. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting something fantastic. All right. Let's okay. just see. We're going to go sideways into a parking space at the, the mall. All right. It's your loan. <laughs> what did your sister say the last time she was on the phone when we were in the car? Nick, see if you can make her throw up. I know. All right. Yeah. Challenge accepted. Great. <laughs> and saying. let's talk about the F-150 hybrid. Yeah. What's it called? Eco, no, boost, power boost. They call it a power boost. They don't call it hybrid, interesting enough. It's called a power boost. Mm. Okay. Power boost, full hybrid, hybrid electric, 10-speed automatic transmission. It's the Ford F-150, 3.5 liter, power boost, full hybrid. Yeah. Take that to the bank and eat it. All right. Uh, you know, apart from being Ford Tough... The thing that's coolest about this vehicle, so I'm sitting in the car with my spouse. Mm-hmm. I'm in full EV mode, mm-hmm. full EV in a truck. Mm-hmm. It's running. If you run b- below, I think it's 20 miles an hour, it f- runs in full EV mode. I'm driving in full EV mode, completely silent running. Mm-hmm. I says, hey, honey, what's going on? What do you notice? Nothing. <laughs> Don't you notice anything? No. You notice the engine's not on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been in a truck that drives on electricity alone? Uh, no. Okay. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> noticing. The other thing is, I love it. It's like being in a diesel. You know when you put your foot down in a diesel truck and the back wheels hop because there's so much torque, so much power go to the back wheels immediately? No, because they don't drive diesels. No, because I'm too special. Why no, do I gas? just don't like the sound. The The older ones, they're just so loud and obnoxious. Yeah, well, Jen, the 1970s were loud and obnoxious, but diesel has changed a lot I'm since the 70s. I'm talking about the 90s. All right, let's maybe even talk about in the last 30 years, <laughs> things have really changed with diesel. It's quiet and I clean know. now because they have ammonia spritzers in the back of the vehicle. Okay. So it's nice. So you can actually drive a diesel truck. There isn't anyway. When you put your foot down in a diesel truck, there's so much power gets put on the back of the road that the rear the rear wheels often hop or mm. they skip because you put too much power down and they can't hold traction in the back of the truck. Sounds like you need to fix that. that no, it's just <laughs> when you're towing. I assure you, it's really really useful. Okay. Well, the same thing happens in this what what Ford call the power boost truck. Mm-hmm. You put your foot down so much, you've got your hybrid engines, your hybrid motors, they're not engines, and your gas. Hmm. They put so much power down 
that the back wheels hop. It's fast. Here's the bad news. Even though this truck cost $72,100, I was test driving, $105. Jeez. You know what the bad news is? The bad news is if you order one today, you have to wait until summer 2021 to take delivery. That's okay. You'll need to save up all that money. Well, you may be not. <laughs> not if you own a business. That You know why True. that's bad news? Hmm. It's because Ford makes such a good truck that you're going to have to wait because it's awesome. God. Chevy diesel hater. I know. All you're right. Chevy. More hour auto expert. Like a rock. Stop it. <laughs> More hour auto expert on the way. Jim may not be here. We'll see. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the Northwest to the Southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone. Or on Smart Speaker, this is Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, do you know what year the Kia Sorento first came about? Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. Who else is in the room with me? I don't know. What, 18 years ago? Uh, 2002, years ago. yeah, you're right. <laughs> 2002. Woohoo! I have to tell you that 2002 wasn't the prettiest vehicle on the on the planet, the first generation. Uh, it definitely <laughs> is pretty now <laughs> in 2020. It I, I refer to it as a it was an ugly duckling became a beautiful swan. Well, wasn't it kind of more like a minivan? No, no. Look? How dare you? Uh, well. It was actually very capable off road in 2002. Oh, very capable, it and it came in a manual too. Do you know how to drive a manual? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Thank I prefer a manual. You do? Yes. Okay, goodness. Thank goodness for that. Yes. Um, I was impressed enough with this vehicle. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm actually sure, I'm not sure we can classify it as a non-luxury car, but we'll have that discussion because we wanted uh, James Bell to come on and answer some very difficult questions about the Kia Sorento. So joining us is the Director of C Communications from Kia, uh, James Bell, to talk about it. First of all, James, is this a luxury or non-luxury SUV? Well, hold on just a second. You set me up here too well. I, I got to ask a question. I thought well, I, I tuned in a little bit late here when you were talking about uh, an ugly duckling that turned into a swan over 20 years. I thought you were talking about yourself there. No, no, ah! I'm not sure. First of all, I'm not 18 years yet. I'm not 18 years old yet. Second oh, of all, I'm not sure I, I could be classified that. as a swan yet. <laughs> I may have a little way to go. So uh, I have a few more parents right, there. I digress. Yes. I digress. I digress. It's good. It's good. Um, the, inside of, the inside of your new Sorento does not feel yeah. like a family vehicle. It feels a little bit more like a luxury vehicle. I think you may have overstepped your bounds, young man. Well, I'm, I'm pleased and happy to hear that. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we have a philosophy here at Kia, which is, um, you say in our advertisement, which give it everything. And that means many different things. That means the attitude of the people who build our vehicles. It means the attitude of the people who design and engineer them. And it means uh, what we actually put into them. And, and what we have, you know, decided uh, probably seven, eight, nine years ago now was that Kia was going to overstep its bounds from now on. It was always going to over-deliver on an element or a collection of things, not just design, not just make a, you know, you got to bend the sheet metal, so bend it nice, uh, not just powertrain, not just engine, not, but just everything. And so, yeah, you're right. The interior, I remember vividly the first time I spent some time in a new Sorento uh, uh, earlier this year and kind of touching things and doing, you know, putting my old uh, automotive journalist hat back on and thinking, wow, this 
this is another one of those places where we could probably sell this thing for more than we're going to. Yeah. And uh, and and it, I'm very pleased to hear you know now that the vehicle's out in the world and consumers are starting to buy them and you and the media are driving them. Uh, that's that sense is kind of carrying across. No offense to somebody like Mercedes, who do a great job with their uh, Dizino or Dizino interiors, mm-hmm. but this, I mean, this 3D interior that you have on your upper trim levels, it mm-hmm. feels very much like you have taken a page out of the Germans' books, and why would you buy something that is maybe twice the price when you can get something so fancy in a Kia? That's what I'm saying. Well, d- design is not... How do I say this? Design is free, really. Yeah. It just ma- it's a matter of, of whether you in- engage it and, and do it well or not. I'm sure and, Mr. Uh, Schreier probably wouldn't like to hear that or, uh, you know, those <laughs> people. <laughs> oh, good point. I mean, well, right there, you're right. No, it's, it's, it's a decision that's made and it's a philosophy that's, that's pushed. That decision is free. Uh, but a lot of times you see car companies that will, you know, to save a dollar here or 50 cents there will just put a, a, a slab of gray plastic in a spot where we like to put a little detail. And it's not things necessarily that are going to change the way the vehicle drives or uh, impact the fuel efficiency or anything like that. It's it's just to give you a sense of, hmm, I've done something nice here. I'm, I'm in a spot uh, in this vehicle where I'm comfortable, where it's I, I feel I feel like I've I've rewarded myself a little bit. And darn it, these days I think we should try to do that more often than not. I also like the fact that you've taken a page out of other people's books or your own books. I'm not sure where it came mm-hmm. from, but you've given people lifestyle choices. So um, I, of right. course, had the two different trim levels that you were kind enough to deliver to uh, our auto expert, which had mm-hmm. uh, two different lifestyles, uh, your X-Line, which is the first time that's appeared in an SUV. And then you right. had your SX trim, which is, and, and if I can paraphrase how I uh, approach this, perhaps your night out in the city to go have a great meal if we didn't have this annoying thing called COVID and remember those days days and go out to perhaps um, see a play or or have a night out in the town a night out metropolitan wise and then you have your X line where you could have a night under the stars which may be more appropriate right now but a night under the stars (laughs) camping a bit of an adventure you have the same vehicle the same structure but you have a different take on these two different vehicles, one for sort of a more metropolitan, a more luxury life, and one for a more outdoor, more adventure life, yet they're the same vehicle, the same sort of price, so you've tailored it for different lifestyles. Exactly right, and if you go to Kia.com or see any of our our advertisements that are going to be coming out in force as we get a little closer to New Year's Eve, you'll see there's actually a third member of that family. And that's oh. the uh, the more fuel efficient, uh, the green scene, if you will, uh, by having a, a full hybrid version available now as well. And uh, shortly into 2021, we'll have a plug-in hybrid version. So there's that third attitude of you know I'm I'm I want to do what I can to uh, minim or maximize my fuel efficiency. Uh, you know I'm not going off road necessarily. Uh, I'm just uh, putting around town, running my errands, going to grandma's house, just. Let's be fair, what most people are probably doing with the vehicle, and so we wanted to have that, that third member of the family, which is uh, is all about efficiency. And I'm what, what's you, you have some fuel-efficient numbers here. Uh, the turbo hybrid, 37 miles a gallon, is that right, or am I reading that wrong? No, no, that's exactly right. It's a 1.6-liter turbo, what? which uh, is not a bad little motor up by its own, 
But then you uh, load that in with the the hybrid powertrain, which of course uh, gives you that that great instant low torque. So we have found amongst um, the the Kia crew here that if we're taking one out to go on a lunch run or uh, you know going out to uh, up to our um, proving grounds up in the up in the high desert here in California, we like to grab the keys to the hybrid because it's actually in many ways the more engaging one to drive. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then when you when you're done, you know, driving a little more uh, diligently, you let it settle back in the hybrid land, and you're right. Uh, plus 35 miles per gallon is easy. That's crazy. That's uh, that's silly money. The uh, the one thing I noticed from the outside, and we usually start with the outside design because that's the first thing you see. But the inside was so mm-hmm. compelling, we had to go there first. Looking at the outside of the vehicle, it doesn't look like a Kia. But it does look like a Kia. Uh, I feel a little mm-hmm. fooled. Still a Tiger Nose grill. Still a Tiger Nose front end, but not. Uh, why, why am well, I not? Why am I seeing something I'm not used to? Because we've actually evolved the the famous uh, Peter Schreier inspired, well not inspired, drawn uh, Tiger Nose grill, and we're now kind of going into what we're calling a Tiger face. Especially if you look at the vehicle, maybe in the late afternoon before the headlights actually pop on and you just have those DRLs on, they are there to kind of uh, mimic or, or give the emotion of, if you look at a tiger, they have a fantastic white uh, line of fur just below, starting around the edge of their nose, going up uh, under their eye and then uh, around under the eye and off to the side of their faces. And that DRL is there as a white line to kind of emulate that sense of that that uh, that tiger face. So, yeah, it's gone from tiger nose to tiger face to who knows what's next we'll put a tail on the back of it or something it does it does look very pleasant uh the front design very very beautiful and it looks like a lot of thought was put into it it feels it's almost refreshing it's uh it's like getting splashed with cold water and being very refreshed but still the same sort of uh refreshing feeling that cold water has always been but slightly different i don't know if i'm explaining it correctly what are you talking about yeah i'm just you're getting very heavy here i know know. probably my medication is kicking in uh there's there's a new trim level too is that right? Is prestige? Uh, is this the first time I, oh, am, am, oh, sorry, I, yes. am I seeing SXT. prestige? Yes, yes. And that's there to emulate a, another very, very incredibly successful vehicle in our lineup, the Telluride, or as we like to say inside the company, the Celluride, because they're basically <laughs> sold out. Cheeky. Two years. Two years uh, after launching, the thing is still turning uh, on an average of eight to ten days. It does. I mean, we could do a whole other show about that. It doesn't make sense. It's an anomaly in the car business. I'll just let that sit. But uh, yeah, the SXP or the SX uh, Prestige trim level in the in the Telluride is the one you can't have, and that's the top trim. Right. And I mean, when I say you can't have it, I mean it comes off the truck and sold. Uh, and so we followed that same kind of philosophy here with the with the Sorento, right. and uh, expecting. Uh, probably a pretty good draw. I will finish this interview with telling you a little story. The uh, A lot of the, the, the Fox morning crews around the country and, and the national guys, they obviously call us quite regularly for uh, wanting to buy vehicles. And the sentence these days starts off with, I wanted a Telluride, but because I can't get one, I want this. 
which mm. <laughs> which tends to be the you know the the sentence that usually starts and we're always like ah uh, well we do know a guy i mean he may be able to help you that's the interesting one but i was uh, doing a live tv broadcast from dallas this week and the lady had uh, there's a brand new telluride sitting outside and she told us i ordered a 2020 and they told me um sorry the factory shut down this was in march this year or something february this year right and she said yeah. Un- unfortunately i had to take delivery uh recently of a 2021 which broke my heart because i had to get a 21 instead of a 20 but guess what i got a 21 so <laughs> You you may have it's slowed great. you may have slowed the delivery down, but she's paid the same money and she got a, a vehicle which was a, a year newer. So you are still making people happy. Uh, Sorrento on sale now, presuming. Yes, yes, right. yes. The um, uh, the hybrid and the the vehicles you drove are are getting into dealerships right now. Excellent, James Bell. You're a great man. Thank you for coming on the show. More at ourautoexpert.com. You're listening to our auto expert. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. You can ask a car question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert on one of those social media platforms. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Lots of interesting stories uh, buzzing around in the automotive uh, segment. I can tell you I have uh, had quite an interesting uh, look at some of them. Uh, Capital One dropped their new automotive survey this week that shows that 40% of car buyers say that transparency is up 14% in two, from 2000, up from 14% in 2018 to 40% in 2020. So those people who uh, are doing an awful lot of car shopping online, I presume it's because car shopping online is becoming the way of the future. Ford is apologizing for Bronco's delay with $100 for accessories. Uh, deliveries aren't uh, expected to begin until summer now, 2021. Delays are uh, really a distressing pain for many of those people that have ordered their full-size Bronco two-door and four-door. Uh, they happen uh, you know, because of many uh, things, but the latest tech gadgets are now hotly anticipated. Cars and trucks uh, are really looking forward to uh, having some of those things. So uh, Ford apologizing for that. Uh, Talk News is reporting that the Blue Oval will give Bronco customers $100 to use towards accessories um, and maintenance or uh, services throughout the company's Ford Pass loyalty rewards program. That's on top of the $200 that customers can receive when taking uh, delivery. However, Ford uh, uh, converts those values to Ford Pass points or Visa uh, uh, vice versa with their services. Uh, 4,200 points given at delivery and another 20,000 awarded for uh, penalties waiting for the SUV. Uh, That's their penalty that they're going to play, giving a total of $300 to customers that will help them spur buying a plethora of accessories from the company uh, that they're planning to offer. The Nissan GT-RX in 2050, the concept that they just came up with is a supercar you can drive on your belly. How do they expect people to get on their belly and drive a car? I'm not even sure I could do that. It sounds horribly uncomfortable. It's like those bicycles you see when you have to uh, sit in the seated position and pedal that way. I'm not sure that's very comfortable either. It was created by designer J.B. 
Koi and uh, brought to life by Nissan's designers. Uh, they're focusing on the future, which is obvious by looking at some of the brand's newest products like the electric Aria crossover and the upcoming Z Proto sports car. But uh, the two vehicles are just the tip uh, and the, of the iceberg when it comes to uh, what's happening at uh, Nissan in the future. Uh, the designer has unveiled a concept that gives us an early glimpse into the brand's distant future, which will be coming in the next uh, 30 years or so. It's dubbed as the Nissan GT-RX in 2050, created originally around sketches uh, and renderings of the uh, concept. It's, you know, when he was still a student, actually, uh, J.B. Coy, uh, the architecture student of design uh, led to an internship at Nissan and uh, then eventually the company decided it would uh, develop the full-scale model of his sketches and you actually can see some of those by looking online. Uh, Lift and uh, Motional uh, really did take those and they, they, they sort of lift and motion them into taking them to a 3D design which I think was uh, really cool. Um, and now... Hopefully, you won't have to actually get on your belly to dis to drive a car. I can't imagine driving a car on my belly. No. It doesn't. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for you either. No. Lying forward in a car. <laughs> no. No, thank you. I can see. You have to lift your neck up. You get neck ache after a while. My eyes. If you're lying on your belly, my eyes automatically want to look down at the road. Uh -huh. Just talking about that position. They have like a chin support. No, but then think about your neck. I you're, know. you're hyper extending your neck all the time. Sorry, I was moving away from the microphone there. Isn't that kind of uh, like how they do the luge? Is that what it's supposed to represent? Yeah, it's the same thing. Can yeah. you imagine doing that for like a six hour drive? <laughs> no, maybe the car goes 300 miles an hour. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Lyft is getting uh, two uh, robo-taxis uh, developed, uh, the Cruise and the Argo. They're going to continue the self-driving vehicle quest. Uh, they're going to try and put these uh, commercial vehicles into service. Uh, they're looking at uh, doing this with General Motors and Honda in Japan, uh, and uh, that's coming in the future. Also, um, Ford and uh, Volkswagen are looking at doing autonomous taxis as well as Lyft. And did you see Hyundai now also have a robot? There's, there's this flying, their Uber flying taxi. Did you see that? No, I didn't. But they don't have drivers in them. Would you get in a You know, you can do it in Vegas too. Get into a taxi in Vegas mm -hmm. that doesn't have a driver. Would you do that if you called an Uber in Vegas and it didn't have a driver? <laughs> or is it a you Lyft? know, I was just in Vegas. So I didn't see any of those. So no, would I, you get him? I think you have to agree to it before you order. Oh, I like the human aspect. I like to talk to people. You do? Yes. Yeah. Do they like to talk to you? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Do oh. you, you talk to me, so it can't be too bad. Occasionally. Yeah. Uh, Honda is uh, recalling uh, 735,000 uh, U.S. vehicles between 2018 and 2020. There are Accords, Accord hybrids, and uh, 2019 to 2020 Insight vehicles for uh, updating the body control model, modular software. A programming flaw could disrupt communications um, so you should probably take that into your dealer. Uh, you can always check out, tell everybody this, you don't actually have to worry about whether your vehicle's recalled or not recalled. All you have to do is take your VIN number. If you look at your windshield, uh, down by the driver's side, bottom of the windshield, that's where your VIN number is. There's a little black piece of 
uh, windshield at the bottom there, there's a little hole that has your VIN number in there. You just take a picture of it with your smartphone or write it down on a piece of paper and pen if you're so inclined and go to nhtsa.gov and type in the VIN number. And then if your vehicle is in some kind of recall list, it'll pop up and tell you what your vehicle's recalled for. Isn't that magic? I do. You don't have to call your dealer yeah. or anything. You just I do that type all the it time. in yourself. You do? Mm-hmm. Every um, time there's a problem with my motorcycle's been recalled and I haven't gone in and had it fixed yet. Every time there's something weird that acts up with one of my family's cars, I always put it in there. Jen, the guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> oh, you're so amazing. I don't wish you were. I'm on a recall right now. Uh, More Our Auto Expert on the way. Stand by. Here we go. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is Our Auto Expert radio show on Facebook and on Twitter. Our Auto Auto Expert. I always run it together. Our Auto Expert is uh, downloaded uh, by over... 10,000 people. Our Auto Expert podcast and many stream it online and very live because we are live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can poke myself and I know I'm live. Uh, join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio by Spotify, Pandora app, Deezer, uh, Podbean and CastBox as well as OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles and this is Our Auto Expert Radio. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from Our Auto Expert. Uh, you challenge me to scare you on the way home are we ready to do that mm-hmm. in the uh in the way mercedes amg gla 35 yeah all right i'm ready just telling you on the way home bring it just Next. remember you want my bring help it. bring it you want my help oh my god you want my help today you... so if i throw up that means i gotta go home so you decide i'd rather see you throw up okay to be honest with you that works all right that works. Yeah. I'd throw up. Because you're going to have to clean it, That's not right. me. No, all right. <laughs> I will tell you, sometimes sacrifices are worth it. He's an independent analyst and investor. Anton Warman joins us every single week to talk about the auto industry, or autonomous cars, and, of course, what's going on in Europe and the world, electric vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Toyota describes its battery electric uh, vehicle rollout plan over the next uh, several years so they've kind of been a little slow off the mark haven't they anton well sort of what happened um, about a decade ago uh, toyota actually invested 50 million dollars in tesla and they did so by selling tesla the factory in california and then taking the 50 million dollars and putting that into tesla and then eventually divesting itself of that stake several years ago uh, so they as a result of that they made a um, version of the uh, previous to previous generation RAV4, which was sold in approximately 3,000 copies, mostly in the United States. And that was uh, viewed as a very tepid effort. Of course, it had a battery and a powertrain from Tesla, and that was pretty much it. Since then, they have launched now in just uh, two, three months ago, a Lexus uh, model in Europe. Uh, It's essentially a version of the UX that um, is all electric and is sold in a small number of countries in Europe, but uh, in, on, on, these, on these sides of the shores, there hasn't really been anything, and the company did a presentation mostly for the European audience a few days ago in which Toyota outlined uh, what they had in mind, and they showed sketches of six different pure battery electric vehicles, so-called BEVs, uh, that they intend to launch over the next several years. They made an interesting comment that the first one was designed 
specifically for Europe and that we're going to see it in 2021 and that it will hit the market roughly at the end of 2021 or early 2022. And uh, they didn't really comment on whether this meant that we will see this uh, car ever in the United States or under any circumstance, under any particular time frame. So they left that open. And uh, that may be a little curious because they did say that it was made and designed specifically for Europe. Now, there were a whole bunch of other models that they showed sketches of that uh, we can pretty much presume that at least two or three of them will eventually come to the U.S., but I interpret that to mean that we will not see these models in volume. I mean, talking serious volumes here of close to 100,000 units in the U.S. until uh, sometime in 2023. That was my interpretation of the matter, but this was the most amount of detail that I have seen Toyota present on this subject. And, of course, there were a whole bunch of other details as well. We know they've been working on some interesting vehicles, got to drive some of them at the 2019 Tokyo Auto Show. They didn't want us to talk about what those models were, but they were battery electric vehicles that are based primarily on vehicles that are currently on sale in their Lexus division right now. And they also had vehicles that they were working on, which will topple probably some of the stereotypes of vehicles that we now know. We now know that front-wheel steering is very common in 99.999% of vehicles on sale in the United States. Imagine a vehicle that doesn't have front-wheel steering, but yet uses a different form of steering in it, and that's one of the vehicles they were working on along with some of their battery electric vehicles. So they do have some models, um, new ideas that they will be bringing to market in the future. I feel very much like they've been slow off the mark. They've had some hydrogen vehicles, and they obviously have some battery electric vehicles, but you know, or they have some. They have hybrids, uh, and they have hydrogen. They they're not really known, and they were an early adopter of a hybrid vehicle. But do you think they they have a lot of ground to make up in in the battery electric vehicle, the Bev's vehicles, because Americans don't really see them as a, a player in the Bev market, in, even though they have aspirations in other markets around the world. It, when you talk about Bev manufacturers and manufacturers playing in that marketplace. They don't. Their name doesn't come up. Correct. And uh, this is also a bit of a difference between what I would call the regular people and people like uh, us, you and I, Nick, who are swimming in these oceans chronically and looking at these things in great detail. Uh, the reality is that pure battery electric vehicles have not yet really hit the mass market in all but a small, small handful of countries, such as Norway and the Netherlands, where they amount to significant double-digit percentage share of the market. But uh, for most people in many countries, uh, this is still a, a niche. And Toyota, I think, will enter the market at a point when pure battery electric vehicles do come into the mainstream. And keep in mind that you know, there have been various problems with various uh, um, battery electric vehicles. And Toyota is known for quality. Toyota spent a half a century building up. It's extremely... Uh, solid uh, uh, reputation for quality, reliability, and durability. And uh, this is the sort of reputation that can go away in a new cycle. And I think Toyota wants to make sure that when they come out with their line of new platform battery electric vehicles, that they will be absolutely reliable. And also Toyota emphasizes something in their presentations that almost no other automaker does, and that is the issue of recycling and reusing these batteries. Because these cars may be on the market for 10 or 15 years, but eventually these batteries have 
uh, got to be dealt with, we could uh, essentially end up with a huge environmental catastrophe when these uh, automotive batteries eventually have to get uh, disposed of. And Toyota's spending a lot of time working on how that is going to happen, and they're designing their batteries specifically for recycling all the way from the start right now. Interesting enough, I think uh, I spent some time uh, probably three years ago now going to a uh, an air, uh, uh, well, I guess it could be a wind turbine uh, facility in Japan where they used the wind turbines to capture power and they were using old Prius batteries to hold that power and then used uh, seawater to, to, to take that power and turn it into hydrogen and then the hydrogen was offloaded into trucks and then used for forklifts around the docks which was a very ingenious way of doing it. I'm not sure if the power conversion rates made sense once you put the math onto paper but it definitely was a good use of old Prius batteries. So Toyota and uh, Lexus had some great ideas and they were utilizing those. And they've obviously been doing a lot of uh, hydrogen work as well in the port of Long Beach. Uh, that's been a well-established product uh, that they've been using out there, using some waste product to manufacture hydrogen. So those are well-established products. But uh, getting their vehicles into the hands of uh, practical everyday customers is something that they're looking at. Let's turn our eyes to Europe. Uh, we're, we're looking at some uh, sales numbers come in, the end of quarter BEV and PHEV sales in Europe. Uh, you say they're strong. Tell us about them. Yeah, so typically uh, at the end of the year, also at the end of every quarter, and of course December is the culmination of all of these sales numbers, uh, Tesla typically has a very, very strong month at the end of the year where they deliver the most amount of cars by far throughout the year. And uh, at least directionally, uh, this month will not be any different. The Tesla Model 3 is essentially topping the battery electric vehicle sales charts in most European countries. But the difference compared to 2019 is that as a market share, their market share is now way lower this month than it was a year ago. And the reason for this is not just because Tesla's uh, absolute numbers are lower than what they were a year ago, even though they are the single best-selling vehicle. But more importantly, there are, there's just such a long list of other models from almost all the other manufacturers that are coming up behind them that if you have 20, 30, 40, 50 different types of vehicles, each of whom it captures only 1, 2, 3, 4% market share, suddenly there is not much market share left for the ostensible market share leader. So, uh, yes, Toyota, sorry, uh, Tesla is nominally in the lead with one model, but uh, whether it's the Volkswagen Group or the Hyundai Kia Group or the Nissan Renault Constellation, um, they each have uh, a whole bunch of models that when you add them up are essentially as large or larger than Tesla at this point. That leaves Tesla with only barely hitting double-digit market share, and that's down very significantly from where they were a year ago. All right. Well, we'll see if, if they manage to uh, regain some of that. I will just tell you, by the way, I uh, had a loan of the Audi e-tron, um, their new Sportback um, I think it's the Sportback, is it? Yeah, the Audi e-tron that uh, we just drove. And I will tell you that I haven't driven that vehicle yet. I know it's sort of been talked about and has been out for a while, but I got a loan of it recently. And uh, 
Wow, um, unbelievable. Unfortunately, uh, I just bought the new Bronco Sport, so um, I'm off the market for any brand new vehicle. But uh, Anton, my invigoration for electric vehicles has been renewed, and I'm sure as a lot of those new ones start to hit the market, uh, I will be even more um, interested in some of those new vehicles that come out. Even charging it from uh, my plug outside my garage, I'm obviously going to need to get a, uh, a proper charger at my house, but charging it from my plug outside my house it was still an absolutely unbelievable experience only with 210 miles range anton wallman is an independent analyst and investor probably the most well-spoken person on the subject of electric bevs uh, autonomous vehicles and of course the industry as a whole more our auto expert on the way you're listening to our auto expert Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside of car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. There are beautiful cars, there are amazingly fast cars, and there are cars that are completely unnecessary and should never be built. This is all three of those. <laughs> Because it is insane, it is crazy, and it is frightening. To tell us all about the Hennessy Venom F5 is Perry Stern from Our Auto Expert and from msnautos.com. Perry, uh, please don't tell me you got to drive this because I will be green. I'll turn green right here on the show. Please say it. I have not gotten to drive it yet. <laughs> Thank God. I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed. I am hoping. Uh, first of all, Hennessy more known for adapting other people's vehicles to be just crazy horsepower, and, but this is a vehicle they built, right? Exactly. I mean, their their kind of their their slogan is that they take fast cars and make them faster. But uh, John Hennessy, who you know basically started the whole company about thirty years ago, uh, has always wanted to build his own vehicle and. They did do something similar a couple of years ago uh, called the Venom GT. It was back in 2010, and it was based on a Lotus Exige and had the speed record for a long time, 270 miles an hour. Okay, and unnecessary, uh, completely unnecessary, but okay, go on. But still cool. Um, it. But now they have built the, the, the successor, I suppose you could say, which is called the Venom F5. Uh, F5, of course, referring to the most powerful tornado that you can have right um, on the Fujita, Fujita scale, I believe it's called. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so this is this is a purpose-built, uh, all original, ridiculous American-made hypercar. Uh, it has an 1,800 horsepower engine. Unnecessary. Um, yeah. Carry on. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's it's about 1,800 to 17 horsepower, almost 1,200 foot-pounds of torque making it the most powerful gas engine in a production car anywhere. Um, it's, it weighs about the same amount as much as a Honda Civic. So imagine a <laughs> Honda Civic, but with 10 times the horsepower. Uh, and so they're saying that 0 to 60 should take about 2.5 seconds, 124 miles an hour in under 5 seconds, 186 miles an hour, in about 8.4 and 250 miles an hour in about 16 seconds. Okay, that gives you a whole new vision of facelift. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. 
uh, your face is in the back, is behind the seats at that point. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Their, their goal is to their goal is to exceed 311 miles per hour, uh, which could ultimately make this the fastest production car in the world. It's crazy, crazy, ridiculous, crazy. I mean, uh, unbelievably crazy, and. Is the driver for this somebody who is willing to give up their life? <laughs> um, possibly. I mean, because the only price of entry is the price, which right. is about two point one million dollars. Right. Which, in the scheme of yeah, that's not bad. Actually, supercars yeah. is not that bad. <laughs> I was watching a car this week that somebody was selling. They'd bought for you know, three million, and they were flipping for five million. So. I was wow, watching. That's a pretty good deal. Um, so with the, with the with the amount that they made, they could buy a Venom. Right. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. They all two, perhaps, if they were doing five, of you know, course. five million. Uh, how many are they going to make, and how many are they going to sell? So they're only making twenty-four, which means they'll sell twenty-four. Right. Uh, I believe half of those are expected to come to America. So right. odds are, if you buy one, you're not going to pull up to a stoplight and see one next to you. Right. And Ever. they are custom building each one. So even if one does pull up next to you, it won't look anything like yours. Right. Uh, and it is it is very cool from the inside out. I mean, the the shape of it is exactly what you expect from a 300-mile exotic sports car. And inside, it has a steering wheel that looks like it should be in a Batmobile F1 car. Right. I, I, I see this as one day being a class at Pebble Beach. I could see that having yeah. 300 mile exotic sports cars at Pebble Beach. I mean, they're close to doing things like that as it is. Right. In I fact, mean, uh, they showed the prototype of this car at Pebble Beach last year. Right. So I have a question for you. Are you going to go to the Guinness World Records that they're going to try to do in Florida? In I'm spring? hoping that they will ask me to join them. Yes. That would Their be plan is next. Next, the end, the second half of next year, after they've done considerable testing, uh, to have an event where they will invite you know owners, media, and such, and show the car going three hundred plus miles an hour. It's interesting. What do you, what time period do you think they're going to build this over? Uh, they've actually said this is the first production car, so they've actually started building it. Oh right, so you know it's right a two year build or something until they're all produced or something like that. Something like that. And I think the first deliveries are expected the beginning of next year. Um, I'm kind of interested uh, to see who the customer is of this. I, I, I want a customer profile. <laughs> it would be, that would be very interesting. I yeah. mean, I would imagine that, you know, clearly this is not someone's uh, only car. Yeah. Uh, with any, you know, as with any kind of car like this, you know, it's, it's not typically the only car in the garage. Right. But, but it's American made. They're really, I mean, there's, the interesting thing is that there is another American-made sports car that just recently, theoretically, broke the speed record. Yeah. Uh, that's still under investigation, but that's the SSC Twitara. Yes. And so suddenly we have two American-made exotic sports cars that are at the top of the speed list, which is kind of cool. Take that, Italy. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Why, why would you want a slow Ferrari when you could have an S, you know, a, a, a Venom F5? Yeah. Uh, if you had two point one million dollars that you didn't need right now, um, clearly. Well, the yeah. chances are, if you've also bought the if you bought the Venom F five, chances are you probably got a Ferrari sitting around somewhere too. Yeah. All right. Well, um, there's uh, there's many questions and uh, a lot of confusion <laughs> over who's buying this and why they're buying it. Who, but who would you pick to? Who do you think would buy this? 
I haven't a clue. It's not going to be your Bill Gates or your Seinfelds. They're, they're not that fickle. I was going to say, um, what about Michael Fuchs? No, definitely not. Okay, what about... Uh, no, he's, he's, he's into the Rolls Royces. He's okay, not what into about the Leno? Moves, but no, definitely not. This is but not... I mean, someone who, someone who probably bought a McLaren Senna yeah. okay. would probably want one of these as Michael well. Fuchs I mean, no. it's that class of people that have already bought the coolest exotic that's out there, and they want to have every cool exotic that's out there. The only person I could see buying this is Ron Atkinson, because he, he's got a bunch of uh, multi-million dollar McLarens. He might be the sort of person True. to write this. This is the only person. And the I could interesting thing think. is, the interesting thing is that, and when I spoke with uh, John Hennessy, he's trying to emulate his company after McLaren because he is a, he is a McLaren fanboy, All right. uh, which is why the doors kind of open like McLarens on this. I think that's yeah. part of the reason. Um, and uh, you know, his goal is to make a company that's like McLaren. He's not looking to compete with them necessarily. He just likes the way they build cars. Interesting. So, Very interesting. It's a company to emulate. Right. Perry Stern, you can read a majority of his stuff at OurAutoExpert.com and you can also uh, read it at MSN Autos, uh, which is a great place to read a lot of Perry's stuff. He's a very intelligent man and gets to drive very cool cars and I'm very jealous. Uh, more of our show at OurAutoExpert.com He's very, uh, very in- interesting and I'm, again, very jealous. All right, more show on the web. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. 